You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Didn't you coach Burt Reynolds? Yes, I did. Was he any good? He was a defensive back. I know. Was he any good? I said. 103.9 FM LI News Radio presents The Weekend Crunch with Errol Marks and Eric Coleman. Hello, everybody. Yes, we're back. Oh, my God, we're back. <laughs> As you guys know, this is The Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co host. Eric Coleman. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time, only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports E Magazine and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Download the app for the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Listen to all our great shows and our great content throughout the week. How do you do that? Go to iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. All separate words, ladies and gentlemen. I know you keep emailing me and sending me text messages. I can't find Well, they're not together. Worldwide Sports Radio Network are uh, separate words. They're not together. So if you're going to look on your Android application store, spread out the words. Mr. Eric Coleman, what's going on, my friend? Nothing much, man. Enjoying this this beautiful Saturday night in in New York. You know, the weather is not too bad. You know, it came up from Florida today, but... Uh, I, I was expecting that I had to wear my parka, and it's about 60 degrees, so I can't complain. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful out. It's, it's like spring weather. I, I'm very surprised with Long Island. It, it goes back. It, yesterday was like 30 degrees all day, and then it goes all the way up to 64. It doesn't make any sense. This is why we have the flu, and that's why all these diseases and viruses are going around, because we can't have a structured um, weather and forecast. It's just been terrible, absolutely terrible. But this is a good day. I mean, it's good for you. You, you land on a beautiful day. You get to walk around uh, after you're done with the show and uh, check out the sightseeing of New Jersey. I'm sure you love that. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, I actually have to go into the city for a meeting, which I'm kind of scared to do because if you watch the news in Florida, Manhattan is a, is a, a wild place. Mm. So I'm a little bit nervous. You know, hopefully it's all good, though. Well, uh, my friend is uh, going to be a detective in 14 months. He's he's working uh, special cases right now over there in the city. And he told me some crazy stuff that the news is not actually bringing to light on what's going on in the city. I mean, uh, people are carrying around guns, shooting innocent people, stabbing innocent people, blowing up innocent buildings. I mean, it is crazy right now. And you would think... With everything that's going on with the the presidency and everything, you would think somebody would uh, put a halt to everything that's going. But for some reason, uh, nothing is uh, moving forward with everything. So I that's why we're here. We're, we're going to try to occupy you guys and give you some entertainment for the next couple of hours and, and give you something to listen to away from all the craziness that's going on in the world. But, uh, Eric, first of all, I want to know what you thought on the NBA draft the other day. Oh, man, I was excited. You know, it it was great. Uh, Again, you know, just like the NFL, I think the NBA did a great job with the virtual draft, you know, getting inside of the, you know, the kids' homes, you know, coming up with feature stories and all the the players. I I was really excited about it. I thought they did a heck of a job. Congratulations to the 2020 class of the NBA. Uh, It's exciting. You know, how are you? How do you feel? about the, your New York Knicks pick. You know, I think, I think Obi is a great player myself. I was, I've always been a fan of him uh, when he was at Toledo. Uh, you know, fantastic athlete. He's big. He can shoot. He can take you down low. He's very versatile. So I, I think he's going to be a big, 
uh, addition to the Knicks team. What do you think? I, I love Obi Toppin. I, I think Obi Toppin was the guy that I picked two or three weeks ago, but Speedy will tell you. I, I thought Obi Toppin was going to fall to the Knicks, even though everything that you saw early in the draft, especially one through ten, there was a lot of craziness. I mean, Williams going at four to the Chicago Bulls. Some people thought Williams was a, you know, in the twenties. He wasn't even supposed to be drafted in the top ten. But for some reason, Chicago thinks that he's a he's going to be a top player. The Israeli kid, Denai or Denis, he went. He fell all the way to number nine. And the Knicks, if the Knicks, if Obi Toppin does not pan out, and this kid. Uh, Denis turns out to be the next Luka Doncic, which a lot of people think his talents lie before what we've seen of Luka Doncic. If that's true, uh, the Knicks are going to regret not drafting uh, this guy, Denis. But uh, everything that we've heard, this guy is the best offensive, all-around offensive player in in this draft class. Uh, he needs to work on his defense, but he's a good blocker, and, and a lot of people forget how good of a defensive player he really is. It do- didn't show on numbers and statistics that you see in college in Dayton, but all in all, this kid is he's, he's an all-around good offensive player. The thing that worries me more than anything, Eric, is that he's 22 years old. That's it. He, I, I, everything else. The Knicks have a ton of forwards. And I do believe, just like they, they, they got rid of Portis, they got rid of some of the players yesterday uh, mm-hmm. when free agency opened up, I still think they need to trade Randall. Randall is not a right fit. If you, if you believe Obi Toppin is going to be your starting power forward moving forward, get rid of... Uh, Randall and move forward with Toppin starting the whole season. That's the only thing. Okay. Well, first of all, I think I said Toledo instead of Dayton. That's all right. That's my bad. That's all right. Um, but listen, I think in the league, the way that the game is going right now, you know, Julius Randall is a very athletic. He's, you know, he can he can do more than just play power forward. So I, I think that it doesn't hurt you to have some depth. You know, to have another player. But you know, I definitely think there are some additions that the Knicks need to make, you know, some signings that they need to, to get after to, to improve this team. And, and, you know, you and I and, and the rest of the world mm-hmm. loves when the NBA has the New York Knicks, the Celtics, the Lakers, you know, all these, these signature franchises at the top of the league. And it's been a long time since anyone has got excited to play at the Garden, to, you know, to play against the Knicks and uh, see some playoff basketball there. So it'd be great to, to have that ball return. I love what the kid did. I love how he spoke, that he's happy to be here in New York. He was brought up in Brooklyn. This is his hometown. This is who he rooted for as a young kid. His father's from New York. His father was an N1 superstar. I mean, this is a guy that he wanted to be here. He wants to be here. R.J. Barrett wants to be here. Mitchell Robinson wants to be here. So you have to be excited with some of the young players that want to be here. The question is, are they going to get the guard that they need to to rebuild this team, to put this team on the map? Because if you add a Russell a Westbrook to this team, that gives you that superstar. That gives you the opportunity to bring all these young players and make these young players move up and down the court because they're going to play a fast-paced game in Tom Thibodeau's offense. They did it with Derrick Rose, and they're going to do it in this offense. They play tough, tough defense, and they move up and down the court offensively. So if, if these guys... Are the they're young, they're talented. If these guys have a point guard that can lead them, I think the Knicks could be a borderline playoff team this year. As crazy as as it might say, or you, you could argue Gordon Hayward uh, signed somewhere else. I know a lot of people uh, thought Charlotte. Gordon. Yep, he goes to Charlotte. So there are a lot of players that are starting to sign plays. Van uh, Van Vliet, uh, he signs back with Toronto. A lot of people thought uh, he was a guy that the Knicks were eyeing. So it, the only guy that you really see that could be available in somewhat of a trade talk, and you're not going to have to give up much, as crazy as it sounds because of his contract, is Russell Westbrook. So the Knicks need to get that done. I don't want to hear about James Harden. Get this done with Russell Westbrook. I know a lot of Knicks fans don't want him, but he is the best player available if he's available from the Rockets. So 
That's the only thing I'm going to say. They need guard play. Everything else, I think the Knicks are going to be very athletic and fun to watch this year. They're not going to win a lot of games unless they bring in a superstar that's going to help these guys uh, go up and down the court. But I think this is going to be a different New York Tick team. And you could see that with Rose on the way they were drafting, how they were moving up and moving down. They do, they're doing exactly what Joe Douglas did with the Jets in his first draft. So that shows you the signs of a good GM and a good uh, run organization. So I'm happy, and I, I think the Knicks are going to be dangerous. I want to get into the New York Jets. Did you hear what Jamal Adams said? Did you hear him in, in that little uh, conversation on that radio show? Did you hear about that? I, I, I saw a snippet of him talking about him being depressed uh, in New York and you know, staying in his room in the dark and, and things like that. Daddy was knocking on the door. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you know, at some point it just got to stop, you know, and, and listen, mental, mental um, health is, is a big deal. You know, depression is real. Uh, you know, a lot of people suffer from it and lose their lives from it. You know, the, the, this is a, a topic that's, you know, that's heavy. And to throw that around and to, you know, in one sense, you're talking about how happy you are in New York and you want to be a part of it and you want to be a part of the long-term solution. And then next thing you know, you, you're talking about being de- you know, depressed. It's, it, it really gives you mixed, mixed feelings uh, about it. And, you know, Jamal is, you know, I, I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> well, I, I haven't held back on Jamal Adams all week. And, and for the fact that he's come out and taken a shot at the organization – uh, numerous amount of times since he's been traded. Uh, hasn't he said enough? Hasn't he done enough to this organization? Uh, he, I believe he was one of the guys that have come out with that whole uh, video and the cameras in the locker room. I believe he was one of the guys that opened his mouth and was trying to cause trouble for the New York Jets. I don't know if it's true, but it's so fishy and so funny that all of a sudden Jamal Adams gets traded, McLennan gets traded. I don't think it was McLennan. I'm not going to blame my, or Avery Williamson. The, the one guy, Le, Le, uh, Le'Veon Bell was the guy that really stood out to me and Jamal Adams, but I think it was Jamal. I think Jamal opened up his mouth. He said something about those cameras and it caused the Jets for about a week to be another laughing stock for people to laugh at uh, in the NFL. I think, I think it had a lot to do with Jamal. I don't know if it's true, so I'm not trying to spread rumors, but it's a little fishy after Jamal Adams gets traded and all the stuff that's been going on all year and, and all of this stuff is coming out and uh, ex-players, there are players, it came out that four ex-players said that there were cameras in the locker room. Who do you think it was? I mean, seriously, it just... To me, it's just if, – if Jamal's trying to ruin what this organization is all about, it, it just shows me how bitter he really is as an, as an athlete, as a player, and as an ex-New York Jet. Well, I mean, to me, it's like you've moved on. You're, you're on another team. You, you know, you got aspirations with that team. You know, keep, keep my name out your mouth. You know, stop talking about the Jets. Why, why is it that the Jets keep coming up in conversation? You don't see guys um, – you don't, you don't see McClendon sitting here talking about nope. the Jets. You don't see, you know, you don't see people talking about their former teams as much as you've been hearing from Jamal. And, and to me, it, it's just stop, you know, focus on you, you know, focus on you playing better ball. And, and you know, I, I know last Sunday, it was it last Thursday, you know, he didn't play very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they said he was injured. Uh, you, you know, you know, this guy needs to focus on himself, focus <laughs> on your own game, focus on getting that Seahawk defense right. And, and God bless you. 
mm-hmm. know what I mean? There's no need to, to come back and start talking about things that are going on in this organization when you're a part of the Seahawks. And you want to know something? You stuck up for Jamal Lannis from the beginning, but you know very well. Why is he taking shots at an organization he's not a being part of anymore? He's not a part of. There's no reason for him to speak up about the Jets. And then all of a sudden saying the things that he is, not only talking on radio shows, talking to the press over there in Seattle saying they keep bringing up the Jets. Why, do, why does everybody just... Stay away from talking about the Jets. The Jets are probably going to go 0-16. They're not a good organization, run organization yet, or they're not yet anymore, or haven't been for the last couple of years. And maybe Joe Douglas can change this around. But um, when when you have players like Jamal Adams throwing them under the bus, it's not a good sign. But uh, what did you think of the New York Jets? I know there was a bye week last week. What did you think of the New York Jets against the Patriots? What do you think about the Giants' defense? The Giants' defense has been sensational the last four weeks. Yeah, well, I mean, to, to go and talk about the Jets against the Patriots, I thought they did a, a hell of a job. You know, I thought they came out with a great game plan. The players stepped up. And this is the first time, you know, that was the first time that you had Brashad Perriman, Jamison, um, Jamison Crowder, and uh, Denzel Mims all in the same lineup. You know, it's been all season. Not all three of them have been healthy at the same time. And, you know, I th- think you got a preview of what can be, what could have been uh, with those three guys healthy. And you can only imagine with, you know, you know, with um, C.J. Mosley playing, mm. you know, Jamal Adams still being here, uh, you know, uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell playing up to his potential, you know, having the offensive line healthy, what this team could have been. You know, it's such a fine line between the, the great teams and the terrible teams in the NFL that, you know, a couple of key players here and there uh, make a big difference. So, uh, you know, it was great to see. You know, I think Joe Flacco was playing well. Absolutely. You know, obviously you would like to see Sam Darnold doing doing that job. But, listen, Joe Flacco stepping up to the plate. You know, Darnold still banged up a little bit. But, you know, I can't complain. You know, I think that, you know, when you're a team that's lost so much, it's hard for you to win these close games because you haven't been in that situation. Absolutely. Uh, the, more, the more you're in that situation, the more you, you know, get in those, those, those uh, two-minute drill situations, mm-hmm. those, uh, those close games, then you start to win them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's what the Jets do. They need to, you know, gain some confidence. Uh, not that I want them to keep, you know, to win, but as a competitor, I would like to see them. I would like to see them win. And it was great to see them, you know, be competitive in a game and, and possibly win at the end. Absolutely. And the Giants, I, I think the Giants have been one of the best defensive teams in football for the last four weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, their secondary, Logan Ryan, has been unbelievable. Um, uh, they brought Bradbury in. Bradbury has been a borderline pro ball player this year. Their secondary that is missing their star young safety that they drafted in the second round, who hasn't played all season long. This is a really good secondary, a really young a young front seven, too. I mean, Dexter, uh, Dexter, um, Dexter, Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence, I mean... There, there's just so much that you can see about this team, so much competitiveness that this team brings to the table. So I've been very impressed with them. Yeah, you know, when I watch the Giants, I see a, a good, a solid, fundamentally sound football team. You know, yes, they're missing some key players. I mean, they're missing their, their star running back, you know, uh, and Saquon Barkley. They're, they're missing a couple of receivers here and there. Uh, but they still play as a team, and they still look put together, and they've been in every game that they've played. You know, I, I think that they probably should have won a couple more games than they have. So, uh, you know, I, I think Joe Judge is doing a terrific job. You know, him, uh, Brian Flores down in Miami, I think these guys are doing uh, great jobs coaching their team. They're, they've got good players on their team. They're playing team football, and it's showing. You know, they're, they're, they're in games. Uh, you know, they're, they're very competitive. When you look at the Giants, I mean, they're in position to 
compete for the to the NFC East right now. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no team really taking off with that, and the Giants are just continuing to win. They're chipping away. They're getting confidence. Uh, they're they're getting contributions from other players, and, and I really do like the trajectory. You know, as bad as it sounds, they're three and seven. I do like where they're going and where this where this franchise is going. Before we go to the break, because I I didn't want to bring it up because it's been a story all week long about the Giants. This whole Joe Judge thing with uh, the Colombo uh, offensive line coach. What, what do you think? Do you believe there was fighting going on in the locker room or after practice? Do you you believe this story or do you think it was just? Uh, uh, Joe Judge wanting to take over the offensive line because the, the offensive line has not played well week in and week out with their young players. So, wait, wait, you got to fill me in a little bit about this. I, I, I missed this one. Well, Joe Judge supposedly over after Sunday Sunday's game, uh, Monday football practice, there was a fight that broke out. And this is what the story came out, that Colombo, the offensive line coach, and Joe Judge – had a skirmish, and they fought. It was a fist fight. And then Joe Judge, after the fight, fired Colombo because of the fist fight because Joe Judge took over took over the offensive line um, coaching from Colombo, and, and Colombo was upset about it. And at the practice, it turned out to be a fight. And, then, um, and a lot of the stories came out that the story was not true. So if it was, and I, obviously you didn't hear about it because it wasn't it, – it's only important here in New York because it was a story um, – do you think the story is true? I don't think the story was true. At first I did, and then there were stories coming out that the story wasn't true. It just Joe Judge decided to just fire Colombo and uh, let him uh, finish the season um, just sitting, you know, sitting at home and relaxing and getting paid for it, I guess. I don't know. Or Joe Judge just wanted to take control of the team. This guy, I love what Joe Judge has to handle, has been giving to the New York Giants and their organization because he's handled the team very, very well. And, and the team is following him. Logan Ryan, you heard what he said after his uh, wife almost passed away. Um, Joe Judge is behind his players. This is something they've been lacking since Tom Coughlin. Yeah, I mean, you never seen Joe Judge, you know, hang his, put his players out there or put them out there on blast. But, uh, you know, and I definitely think he has a respect for the players. But as far as he and uh, Coach Colombo getting in a skirmish, I'm sure there was an argument. You know, it may have got, you know, pushing and shoving, but I highly doubt that they got in fisticuffs. You know what I mean? <laughs> the players probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have let that happen, I, I can imagine. But, you know, it gets competitive. Listen, and when you're winning and losing games, jobs are on the line. And when, when player when coaches – aren't coaching up to their potential, meaning the players aren't playing up to their potential because you're either coaching it or you're allowing it to happen. And, and if you're not holding your group accountable, then it gets frustrating. Mm-hmm. And, and especially if, you know, you're Joe Judge and you have some expertise in, in different angles of the game where I, I, I can do this job. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can take over, uh, you know, your position because you're not doing a very good job. It's frustrating, you know. And so I, I'm sure it gets competitive. You know, I know it gets competitive, you know, with the coaches as well. They get in fights. They get in arguments all the time in meetings. You know, people don't see it. It doesn't come out in the media. It just so happens that this happened to come out. I'm sure, um, you know, it's all for the betterment of the team. It's all for the better, you know, the the. It, it, it's tough, man. It's tough. Because <laughs> people don't understand, you know, like there have been times during during games when I've literally gotten a screaming match with the head coach and, you know, you go in for halftime and you guys are like sitting there talking about what you're going to do after the game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's in the moment. It's in the moment. And, you know, unfortunately this coach lost his job, mm-hmm. uh, but listen, the offensive line wasn't doing very good. Nope. And, and it takes, the coaches have a lot of string. And if the other coaches are seeing you not carrying your weight, then eventually if you're a position coach, 
and you're not doing your job, you're going to lose it. There you go. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have a special guest, Josh Silverberg, and we're going to go over the basketball draft, the NBA basketball draft this year. Obi Toppin goes to the New York Knicks. We will get into that with Josh when we come back here on the Weekend Crunch. As you guys know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Eric Coleman. Remember, you can listen to us every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time, only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, New York Sports Team Magazine, and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, 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 Eric is right now, I guess, uh, hanging and schmoozing with uh, somebody on the phone in the bathroom or whatever the hell he's doing. We are bringing on a special co-host for this segment, and you guys have been hearing him a lot on this show, and I love him. He gives us some good insight of what's going on in sports. Josh Silverberg. What's going on, Josh? What's going on, guys? Always a pleasure to be on with you two, for sure. It's always exciting. Can't wait. I'm ecstatic. And, of course, Arrow and I agree to disagree at times. All the time. be awesome. Yes. Always. All the time. And I like that about this show. And even with Eric, who's out of his damn mind. Everything that he does and everything he says. I wonder if he actually knows what he's saying when he says it. So, uh, Eric has his own personality. Right now, he's on the phone. So, uh, we were going to get you on with Eric. But uh, for a couple of segments, we might as well get you on. Give a little different personality to this show. Eric has his own personality. He always thinks he wins at everything. So maybe for once I win. Unless you think that you always win too. That's from a game. What is that from Big Daddy? It's called I Win. Mm, yeah. I Win. That's exactly what it is. That's so Eric. You guys are like the little child. Yeah. You're like the little child. Whenever, they, Even if it's not good, they say I win. No, he wins. He, he wins all the time. <laughs> I'm never a winner. I'm always a loser. No matter what we do. Debate, argue. <laughs> I lose everything. If it has anything to do with basketball and has anything to do with football, I lose. So That's why you got to ask at baseball and hockey. <laughs> then you guarantee you're going to win. <laughs> well, he'd just sit there and just, uh-huh, or he'll actually agree. I, I agree with everything Speedy says. Everything he oh, says, he's right. He's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an Islander fan. I probably know one or two players on the team, Barzell and uh, maybe the Sorokin. He, he knows Sorokin because he's, He hasn't even played a game He yet. hasn't played a game, but he knows who Sorokin is. <laughs> that's what I also forget. He guaranteed the Yankees to win the World Series. That's, that's yeah. true, too. He was wrong about that. Uh, I'm definitely going to remember what it. he said that. He said you might as well cancel the season. The Yankees are winning the whole thing. Oh, I can't wait. When he gets back on, I'm going to attack him on that. Absolutely. That's I forgot all about that. Yeah, he said cancel the season. The Yankees are winning the whole thing. Oh, man. Mr. Eric Coleman, not always right on this show. As you guys know, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. So, I want to go into the NBA draft, and a lot of people were looking at the New York Knicks pick, and some people on social media were taking shots at the Knicks with the whole OB Toppin draft pick. Uh, I know that I said it before the draft, two weeks before the draft, I said OB Toppin would be the perfect pick for the New York Knicks. One of the reasons why with the New York Knicks mainly was because even though they have an outcast of talented forwards like Randall, like Robinson, there's so many arguments right now with the Knicks on why, why did they go after OB Toppin? But I think Obi Toppin adds a different dynamic to the team, uh, an Amari Stoudemire d- dynamic. And the Knicks had Amari Stoudemire. His first year, he was unbelievable for the Knicks. And then he completely fell off because of his knees. And, and now, that's what worries me about Obi Toppin's game is his knees. He's 22 years old. He's not 19. He's not 18. So he has a little bit of wear and tear on those knees of his. 
But he grew six inches, really, when he was 17, I think he said. He was unbelievable for Dayton. He was the best offensive player. player of the year. Yep, the best offensive player, uh, in, to me, in college basketball. And he really developed his skills slowly but surely. And I think playing with Tom Thibodeau and working under Tom Thibodeau, I think Tom Thibodeau was going to get the best out of this kid. But... A lot of Nick fans wanted that point guard because they don't have a guard, and a lot of people don't know if West, Russell Westbrook is going to be available, and uh, they're talking about this guy and that guy, and you, you see him right now in free agency right, away, right off the bat. Uh, their players getting picked up. There was like 15 people that were signed yesterday. So it, it's just it's crazy, and the NBA is right around the corner. It's about, what, four weeks away? Four, about four or five weeks. I think December 22nd, I believe. They're starting up the season again. It's crazy. Oh. It is absolutely crazy. So uh, I know a lot of Knicks fans did not like the move because they, they have an outlandish amount of forwards. So what were your thoughts with Obi Topping coming to the New York Knicks? He was happy. You saw his mother and father were crying. They were pointing at it. The Knicks had, I mean, he's from Brooklyn. He grew up in New York. He's coming home. This is a great story. And if, if Obi Toppin turns into a superstar anywhere close to Amari Stoudemire, this is a huge pick for Rose. So the good thing is the Knicks had a choice at, at the eighth selection, right? Usually when they have the eighth pick, it's kind of annoying because with the Knicks, they're always kind of reaching for guys at a position of need. Obviously with Frank Milkina, I could go back with Kevin Knox, and it was frustrating. But here you had three guys, Errol, that they could have picked from. They had, Tyler, they had Halliburton from Iowa State, the point guard. You had the kid from Israel, who people thought would be a top five pick. And then you had Obi Toppin. And to me, Toppin was the perfect fit. I believe I said this on the show a couple of weeks ago. I said if, if, if Obi Toppin is available, I think that's the guy they have to go with. He fits the mold of what it is. He wants to be here, one. He wants to put on that jersey. Um, you never got that sense, obviously, when Porzingis was here, Christos Porzingis, and they took him. He wanted to add it for two seconds. Obi Toppin respects the New York Knicks jersey. R.J. Barrett respects the New York Dick Jersey. So you want guys to be here. I understand what you're saying with the knees and him being 22. He's not a, you know, in basketball terms, I guess to us, that's young. If you're he's a, a baby person now in a nine to five job, yeah, but he's basketball, baby. you know, that's not really very young, but he's the most finished and polished product that was coming out of this NBA draft. That's what everybody says. And the one flaw that everybody sees with him is defense. Well, he's going to the perfect guy that teaches defense in Tom Thibodeau, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the guy that you look at and you say, hey, maybe he can fix that. And that's how I look at it with Obi Top. I thought it was the perfect fit for them. I think it's a guy that's of need. He's hungry. He's determined. He wants to show people he belongs. He's from the area. And even getting a manual quickly, too, from, from Kentucky was another nice pick, I thought, because granted, he's not really a point guard. He's more of a shooting guard because all he does is chuck up shots. I believe he shot 43% speed Three point line, yes. at Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And John Calipari, even though I – listen, John Calipari – He loves the Knicks. Oh, loves the Knicks, yes. but he loves all of his players that get drafted. Every player that gets drafted at Kentucky is going to be the but greatest he loves player them, ever. But he loves them when they get drafted by the Knicks. Exactly, and I think that was another nice pick. And he he took twenty seven, and I forget the other number. So he went to twenty five and thirty three. They traded from twenty seven and thirty eight all the way to twenty three, and then they yeah. moved down to go to twenty five and, and to get to thirty thirty three. So and, yes. and and everybody say, why do you keep accumulating second round draft picks? Well, I believe in another year or two, that's when high school players can come out 
and it's going to accumulate more prospects coming out of the draft. So the Knicks are trying to do that. The other thing you brought up here really quick is with the whole free agency thing. A guy I've heard, obviously, is Gordon Hayward. To me, the Knicks have so much cap space. If you want to give Gordon Hayward a three-year, $70 million deal, I'm totally fine with that. Because if you sign Gordon Hayward and say you do trade for a Russell Westbrook, you don't trade a lot for Russell Westbrook. Maybe you trade Julius Randle, Kevin Knox, Nilkina, and I don't know. Another Julius Randle will be a part pick. of that trade, yes. You know what I mean? Oh, Randle's going to be gone. He will not be here. Toppin's going to be in the starting lineup. And Randall doesn't even closely fit to what Tom Dibodeau wants. He doesn't have ball movement or defense. So think about this for a second. Russell Westbrook, R.J. Barrett, Gordon Hayward, which I know Indiana's been a destination, but we'll see. Obi Toppin and Mitchell Robinson. To me, I think that's a playoff team. I really do. Oh, they're a playoff team. The question a playoff team. There's there's some you have a few good, nice veterans on there. Listen, I'm not the biggest Russell Westbrook fan. We had this debate last week or whatever, but I think the Knicks are in a good place right now, and it feels weird to say that because they haven't been in a good place in forever. But it feels nice to say that they had a very nice draft. They could have used a point guard, but look, Obi Toppin was the perfect pick for the New York Knicks. And if they could sign Gordon Hayward and trade for Russell Westbrook, it's a win for them, I think. The question is, when you look at the New York Knicks and you look at Rose, what is their next big move? Is it Russell Westbrook? Is it Gordon Hayward? Uh, they made some moves yesterday. They brought some free agents in. We'll get into that a little bit later. I think it's Alec Burks or whatever yeah. they brought in, I believe. Yeah. Which they like. They like him because he could shoot, and he's a wing guy. And you need that in, in a Tom Thibodeau type of offense. He likes those wing guys that can shoot perimeter shots, 17, 18-foot jumpers. That's the way he plays his offense, and his defense is very in-depth. And you, you've seen Tom Thibodeau. If you don't play defense, you're not going to play offense. And that's and, just the way Emmanuel he Emmanuel quickly traffic, right, Errol? Yep. The exact right. He shot forty three percent in college. Absolutely, I mean, that's exactly what he is. And he likes to spread up, spread off his offense all over the perimeter, and that's what he likes. People that have open. He needs a guy that can commit or teams to commit against that point guard. He needs a guy that can get to the hole at will. So he needs to find a point guard. I don't know who it's going to be. Trust me, guys. I know a lot of Knicks fans are going crazy because they don't have a point guard. I believe that in the next two weeks, the Knicks are going to know who their point guard is going to be. They're going to make a trade or they're going to bring in somebody that can move the ball on the perimeter. They're not going to just go into the season with Frank Nilakina or somebody else. They're not going <laughs> to do Knicks that. The point guard situation, Errol was like the Jets quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. It's a revolving door that they've been trying to find for years mm-hmm. and years and years, and they can't find it. There wasn't really a high-performance point guard in this year's draft that really stuck out to me where he's absolutely the guy. The only guy that really worries me in, in the way he fell to number nine was the the Israeli kid. I, I, I think the Israeli kid, they were comparing his skills to Luka Doncic. If he's anywhere close to Luka Doncic, he's going to be an unbelievable star in the league. Yes, if Obi Toppin becomes a great player, and I believe he will be a good player, and I think he's going to be a 20, 25, and 10 kind of guy. I think he could be that kind of guy if he could stay healthy and, and learn the defensive style of game. He could play two-way basketball. What worries me about this kid, this kid could be – that 30 and 10 guy, that 30 and 9 guy that can pass the ball. You can build your team around and build your whole organization around. That's what worries me. I don't know if Obi Toppin's that kind of guy. They're saying that this Israeli kid could be that type of guy. So He's a good mid-range shooter. He can also play off the ball, which is a really big thing. He's young. But I, I was Exactly. And really, the big thing, too, is, though, if you get a decent enough point guard, it's going to be Lob City with the Knicks, with Mitchell Robinson and Obi Toppin. There's going to be highlights. Again, you got to trade Julius Randle. I don't know who's going to take him. We'll see. Maybe again. Oh, maybe a lot of people would. He averages 19 points. So. The only yeah. problem I have with Randle is two things he does 
that's horrible. One, he's one of the worst ball handlers in the league. He can't play I mean, defense either. He can't, and two, he can't, he gives up on plays. He doesn't play defense, and that to me scares me. And I learned as Julius Randle as a ball handler, he stops the plays, mm-hmm. he stops every play. He's he's like, Carmelo Anthony. Over. Oh, speaking of that, he could be back. Oh I'm God, Carmelo. I don't want it. I don't understand why Carmelo would want to do so, it. But... So why don't we go through the draft, the top twenty? Anthony Edwards. I would grade that a nine. I do believe yeah. James Wiseman was the best player available in this draft. And then I would say LaMelo Ball. I'm surprised LaMelo Ball fell to three. LaMelo Ball might have the biggest upside out of any player in this draft. He I is that he good. I thought he was going to go to the Golden State because I, I did what too. happened with Clay Thompson. He's not a good shooter. He's not, oh, he's a horrible All the balls are horrible shooters. Lonzo, LaMelo, they got these wonky ways of shooting the basketball, right? LaMelo has a very good shot, a very nice shot. The problem yeah, with LaMelo, the the he rushes hands, it. It's weird. He yeah. rushes the shot. And a lot of people say it's all because he's young and he's, he's playing in Lithuania where he has to be a man when he plays these guys. Oh, yes. He's a great fit for Charlotte, though. Yes. I think Jordan's going to do wonders with him. And I think Mike, I think MJ is going to really take him as, as like a little brother kind of thing and really be a great veteran for him on this team. So uh, it's a great fit for LaMelo. So James Wiseman, what do you grade, what do you grade James Wiseman? I would say probably a seven and a half. And really? The only reason, yeah, because like I said, Wiseman's a nice player to me, but in my eyes, I really thought that they should have taken LaMelo. I understand what Golden State's trying to do, and they're sh- they're trying to stay relevant. No, that's not what they're trying to do. They have uh, a lack. They, they they have a lack of size. They can't rebound against these big teams, especially against the Lakers and the Clippers. Oh, 100%. I agree with they, you. They need a the guy time, that can you gotta help replace, in the you gotta paint. Try to replace Clay Thompson's. Wiseman could score 20, 25 points. Absolutely. He's got but the is he offensive Clay Thompson, ability. No, but who is? Yeah. Is LaMelo Ball Clay Thompson? I don't know. I think LaMelo has a better chance to be. How? Uh, he's Clay not a good Thompson shooter. Than... Right now, he's not a good shooter. Shooter. It's going to take but a little while make for him to a develop. Shooter. I think you can kind of be more efficient. Yeah, in a couple of years. Of that. A couple with, of years. Wise, I get what you say. Listen, if Wiseman could shoot from the outside and do everything like that, listen, it's a big plus. 18, 19 foot jumpers, and he can shoot. Yeah. They said his game and the way he shoots, he can absolutely become a three point shooter in his league. That's how. Like, I heard one guy said Anthony Davis about Wiseman, but I don't know about that. Crazy he's not him. as good as Anthony Davis. No, and mm. I, I, one scout he's said good. that online, and I said, you're crazy. I said, if he was Anthony Davis, he'd be the number one pick. No, I don't think he's Anthony Davis. <laughs> Speedy, what, what's the guy you kind of compare his skill to? I think he could be like a very similar type to, if he can get his shooting up, kind of like a Nikola Jokic, I think. Uh, he's nice a little one. more athletic, but if he could get his shooting up, I think that's kind of a similar one to look I don't know at. if he's even anywhere close to Jokic. I think he could be. I, I, if, Jokic is very underrated, though, yeah. in the league. He is. No, I love thing. him. I'm just saying. He's like, one of the saying, best big men in the league. I think he's kind of. Yes, si- nobody knows about him. Yeah. He's I think he's kind of similar to that, though, where his IQ is very good. He's well rounded. He's just got to improve as a shooter. Him and his well rounded. <laughs> he's, he's very well rounded. Did you, hear, did you like the so you like the Anthony Edwards pick? I'll tell you why I didn't like the pick because when you come out two weeks before the draft and you state if a football team came to you and asked you to go play in the NFL, you would leave basketball and never play basketball again. When you say that when you're a top three pick, that would scare you as an organization. When yeah. you know that this guy is one of the you're going to pick him at number one, and he's already coming out and say, "Well, if uh, the Seattle Seahawks reach out to me, I'm I'm leaving basketball. I'm never playing basketball again. I'd rather play football." That's not a good sign. And for the Timberwolves. I would have went with LaMelo Ball. That would have made more sense Agreed. with LaMelo Ball. Him, him and Russell in that backcourt would have been very interesting. That it would have made more sense was... being that it's a smaller city. I mean, it's a big city, but a smaller for the press. I know he went to the Hornets, but Michael Jordan's there. 
And Michael Jordan, he demands the press. It's a great fit for him, though, Errol, because he's going to take him under his wing. Uh, Lavar's really there. I don't know. That. I really I believe know. that. And he's he's going to challenge Lavar one on one, right? That's finally going to oh, happen. Oh God, please, and we'll score the point. please. He won't <laughs> score a point against Michael Jordan. That's a joke. It's a joke. Michael Jordan can play him blindfolded. Still, I know he could. What. I mean, <laughs> serious. It, it's a ridiculous. It's 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 so stupid. Anyways, the Bulls really reaching on Patrick Williams. Absolutely I agree. reaching. Williams was a top, in my eyes, top 10, top 15 pick. I would say definitely not four. I thought that was a complete reach. He wasn't even the best player, I think, of Florida State. Mm. So to me, I just thought that was a really high reach for the Bulls there. Yeah, they better hit on him. I can tell you that right yeah. now. Isaac, once Cleveland didn't take Obi, that was it. The Cavaliers, the Cavaliers drafting Isaac uh, Okoro. Was uh, shocked. You like Okoro? No, no, no. I, 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 I was surprised he was drafted pretty high, too. No, I thought he was drafted high. I thought he was going to go ninth or 10th. Once Obi got past five, I said, that's it. Because the thing is, they're not going to take a point guard because they already have Sexton, right? Colin Sexton's a nice player. So That's the place you, I yeah, thought Obi was going. Yeah, and that's the thing. Everybody thought, okay, Obi's not going to slip past five. They said, that's crazy talk. He's like, Cause then the Israeli kid was there. They thought Cleveland would be a good fit I for him. I was surprised he fell. I was very and surprised he, he fell. fell. And even Halliburton. Halliburton went, I think, down to all the way to, what, 13? Uh-huh. I was stunned. Mm-hmm. Some people said he was... 12, and they know the best point guard in the, in, in the draft. And they have a point guard. They just paid. They're the big Aaron time. Fox. The Aaron Fox. But then they bring in Halliburton. Uh, and, and, but I guess and, they want to move Fox to the shooting guard position. But the thing is, Fox has gotten much better in the passing game, too. Oh, I'm man. surprised. That they, They're going to have one of the best backcourts in, in basketball. Halliburton's so, going to be a nice player. Oh, he is. He but was I, the one guy I was kind of upset the Knicks passed on. I, I, I wasn't because I don't trust his injury. The Knicks don't have any luck. I don't want him. I said that to all the Knicks fans all over social media. Why do you want a guy that's coming off an injury? The Knicks don't have any luck. Well, remember well, they Mitch... passed on Michael Porter. Yeah, remember but... they passed on Michael Porter, and Porter is doing very well with Denver, but they passed on Porter. But the problem with Porter was that, what, 18 years old, he's having a back issue, not no. once but twice, two surgeries. I, I still don't want injury. Michael Porter. It's scary. No matter how good he is and how good he's looked with the Nuggets, which everybody thought he was going to look good because he's a talented player. Once yeah. he gets hurt, once he hurts his back again, he's done. His career's over. So why would you do that? Why would you risk a pick? Were the Knicks right about the pick? Probably not. I mean, look who they drafted. But uh, <laughs> again, yeah, I think Ob Toppin falling to the Knicks at eight was a, was a steal. It was an absolute. Oh, I steal. agree, one hundred percent. And like I said, I think he's the most polished, most finished product, and he's a guy that wants to be here. He's a Tom Thibodeau guy. He's also a, I believe, a CAA client, isn't yes, he? Yes, right, Phoenix. So that's yes. why Leon Rose said, "Yeah, I like this guy." Well, Leon Rose already. <laughs> well, why do you think Leon Rose moved up to twenty three? And because uh, he was quickly. No, because he he was planning to move up possibly if they. Oh, to get top, to get top, and they were talking about moving up. They were talking but to Cleveland. They were talking to Cleveland, and they were also yeah. talking to the Hornets. Yeah, on moving no. up to three. I'm if they were, can you imagine? If they well, did? they said that even if they moved up to three, they were drafting Toppin. You know what? Is they say that now? No. Nope. If they if they drafted three at Lamelo, you, you got to see their draft board. And they, and, they, and they took Obi Toppin before Lamelo Ball. There would be a lot of explaining then to do on that part. I'm telling you right now. He he said I don't it. Know. Rose was interviewed after the draft, and he said, "No matter what, you go look at a board." Toppin, Toppin, Toppin. That was Speedy, the... what do you think? If they trade up to three and they took Toppin over Ball, would they have a lot of explaining to do at that point? The fans would riot for sure. <laughs> the fans would be like, wow, Toppin's a great player, why would so you, you trade all that to get to three to get the ball to Toppin? I was surprised the Israeli went to the Wizards. I think the Wizards probably could have gotten the best player in this year's draft. I, I yeah, really I do. That might catch up to the New York Knicks in the long run. Hopefully it doesn't. Hope he becomes as big a star as we expect him to be, a polished basketball player. But the question is, will he change and transition into a defensive player? This kid, Denis, he can play multiple positions, defend multiple positions. He's a great shooter. He can 
can get into the paint. He's a perimeter shooter. He can shoot threes. He can do everything. And they compare his skills to uh, Luka Doncic. And if he's anywhere close to Luka Doncic, you saw how good Luka is. Of it, it's, it's scary. It, it's it's going to be it really is. scary. He's going to be the best player when LeBron retires. He will be. The he is the best case. player. He could he could make he could be the best player in all of basketball. He is the second best player in the NBA right now. All around player in the NBA. He just doesn't have another guy that can stay healthy with him. No, that's the problem. No, wink, and I, wink. And I'll tell you. And I'll tell you that that's going to benefit the Knicks in the draft next year. Yeah. Well. Anyways, what draft pick stood out to you? I know you like Quigley. I, a lot of people thought Quigley wasn't even a, a first round draft pick. Some people think uh, the Second Knicks were reaching. Pick. They were afraid that there were two teams that would be interested in him. One, the Raptors, and the other team, the Jazz. And early in the daytime, Quigley actually talked to the Knicks twice before the draft. So it was a no brainer for the Knicks. Draft Clearly, quickly. he was. The top yes. target for them. Yes. I mean, the draft pick to me that stood out the most, and I was like I said, surprised that he fell that low. And I know you were scared about his injuries. Whereas uh, Halliburton going at thirteen, I think that's an enormous deal for the Sacramento Kings. It's just tough because they can't get superstars to play there, so they're gonna have to build through the draft. That's just what certain teams in this NBA market are. So to me, I think the Sacramento Kings had a nice draft. Tyler Halliburton, very good player for them. Cole Anthony is mine. I think he's the steal of the draft. I, I think the fact that he fell all the way to 15. Why was Spike Lee hanging out with him? Greg Anthony, New York Knicks. That makes sense. I you know, I mean, very they're I very, very random. That's oh, no, no. Spike Lee is very close with Cole Anthony. He grew up, you know, Cole Anthony grew up as a Knicks fan because Greg Anthony was a Knicks for nine years. I think Spike is his godfather. Spike Lee has a, a big connection with the New York Knicks. And, and Cole yeah. Anthony, don't be surprised if he turns into any kind of player with Magic, which I believe he will be. I think he's going to be a sensational player. When he does become a free agent, don't be surprised if uh, he grew up a Knicks fan. He'd come back home to the New York Knicks eventually. So it's going to be interesting. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, it will not be Eric. It will still be Josh. And we are going to get into some baseball conversation. Free agency coming up. Where do the Mets Where do the Yankees go? Is DJ LeMayu a New York Met next year? We will get into that here. I got goosebumps. On the Weekend Crunch. (laughs) As you guys know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks. My co-host right now, yes, right now, Josh Silverberg. Remember, you can reach us and listen to us every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Only on 103.9 the LI News Radio Network brought to you by the New York Sports Team Magazine and the world. Yes, the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Download the app, go to iOS, which is Apple, WWSRN, and Android. How many times do I have to tell you guys? It doesn't, it, I mean, it's not rocket science. All you have to do is go to Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network, download it. You can read our stories, watch our shows live. It's a great app. It's all for you fans. Yes, yes, yes. I wanted to get in baseball with you because I'll tell you this right now. I know my partner in crime over there talking on his phone or doing whatever he's doing over there. He's a Met fan. <laughs> Maybe because the Wilpons actually gave him some free tickets or whatever it was. But it's not the Wilpons anymore. It's uh, Uncle Stevie running the organization. So I've looked at some of the free agents that are going to be available uh, this offseason, and there are some players that have stuck out to me. And knowing that Robinson Cano got caught with PEDs, and he's out for the season, and, and now the Mets have saved $20 million, there are stories coming out in so many different levels 
that the Mets will be looking for a second baseman to fill in uh, Robinson Cano's position. Now, DJ LeMayu, who won the batting title in the American League, uh, played for the Yankees for the last two seasons, grew up a Yankee fan. Being that the Yankees are concentrating on certain players to move and certain players to bring back, DJ LeMayu is a, a, is a piece that they want to bring back. Uh, he's a big part of their, their middle of their lineup. And really starting on the lineup because he actually hit it. He was batting first a lot of the season. When you look at DJ LeMayo, why shouldn't the New York Mets go after DJ LeMayo? Even as a Yankee fan, if I was Steve Cohen and I wanted to jab a knife in the New York Yankees' backs, why not bring in DJ LeMayo? DJ LeMayo is a, a guy that can hit for average. He, he's a clutch hitter, something that the Mets have not had over the last, I don't know, Ever. <laughs> they don't get clutch hitters. Mike, Mike Piazza was the last clutch hitter for the New York Mets. Maybe a Carlos Beltran. I, I mean, there's just, they, they don't have clutch hitters. So to bring in a DJ LeMayu to fit with this team, with the lineup they have, like Pete Alonso and, and, and the players that they have, some of the youngs, the Confortos, bring Conforto back. This could be a deadly middle of the lineup if you put DJ LeMayo at three or two. The Robinson Cano thing happening is one of the best things that could have possibly happened to the New York Mets. It saves them $21 million. It's an opening at second base. But another caveat to this whole thing is, I don't know if you guys knew this, because the Seattle Mariners... I like that word, caveat. Yes, thank you. Mm, you bougie, and your vocabulary. Right? Very yeah, bougie. And, oh, stop being uh, like Craig Carton, okay? Your bougie <laughs> stuff. Like, give me a break. If, <laughs> this guy. If you guys, tell this, your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell this, your friends. If you didn't that my underwear this. is not on. God. <laughs> if you guys didn't know this, what's Speedy wearing today? SpongeBob again? Yes. Uh, Tidy Whitey's. Um, the the best in the is, business. If you didn't know this with the Seattle Mariners, they also pay a portion of Cano's salary. Yes which is $4 million. That $4 million is now going to the New York Mets. It is not going to Robinson Cano now. The Seattle Mariners are now mandated to pay that $4 million salary. Some guys just get lucky with money. I guess that's just Steve Cohen. He just gets lucky with money. You know what I mean? He might save it. He might put it in his pockets like the Wilpons. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, look. I mean, look. Hey, $4 million. The Wilpons are probably going, man, he couldn't get suspended when we were the owners of the team. What is this crap? So, I mean, you know. but um, I've been hearing that George Springer is their number one target. George Springer is definitely the number one target. I think he's going to be their number one target. I'd be shocked if he's not a New York. He's a man. He's going to be a man. I think he will be a man. Uh, the interesting thing is, look, I, I, I know the DJ LeMahieu thing is tempting. It is. I think the Mets will be interested. I think he's going to stay with the Yankees. I do too. And that's essentially what's going to happen. I think what the Mets could end up doing is they could do this one a couple. They could do this a couple ways. They can either piss off the Yankees. Move, <laughs> they can move Jeff, Jeff McNeil to second base, which is his natural position. Jeff McNeil is a very good defender at second base. He's a passable defender at second base. He hits. He's a guy that if I had to compare somebody to LeMahieu, let's not Yankees, make this segment all about the Mets. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. I'm just giving you a point. If I had to compare somebody to the on the Yankees to LeMahieu, with you. it would be Jeff McNeil. So you can move him to second. He can hit. Yes. For Arenado, uh, you can trade for Lindor. Move Andres Jimenez. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Know, Everything that I've read. Know. I don't know. I, I Everything don't know I read. Gonna happen anymore because it's 2020 era. Lindor so doesn't want to play. Happen. First of all, Lindor doesn't want to play for the Mets. I mean, there were stories coming out that he, there's only one. I didn't one, hear that at all. Oh, I, I did. I, I heard. Where did you hear that from? Who's your source? Um, I've been reading. What are you? What are you source? I, I'm not going to tell you. All. I'm not going to give him any credit. What are you reading? The Onion. Um, what are you reading? If, if, <laughs> I might be crying then if I'm eating an onion. I didn't hear that anywhere. Listen, well, the guy gets paid. He don't give a damn where he plays. Well, like here's the thing. Right now, I, I don't think. First of all, I don't think. talks, my friend. I don't think Steve Cohen's going to pay him three hundred million dollars, and that's what he's going to expect. No, of course not. Uh, and look at the same time. Look, if the Mets want to, they could trade for Arenado even, and they could just move. They could move. It's a Jimenez. lot of money. It's a lot they of money. Move Jimenez. 
they could move Jimenez to shortstop. They're not going to do they that. Want to do? I mean, look, the Mets aren't going to do nothing. Arrow, let's just be realistic here. They're not. They're going to do, do a lot. They're no. not just going to sign George Springer and Why go not? up. That's it. We're done. No, what, what, I know. I, I, I think the Mets will add George Springer and probably add like some uh, bench bats, and, and they'll bring in some uh, obviously relievers and maybe a starting pitcher or two. No, they're going to bring in a starter. I've, look, they're not bringing in another. They, they have a lot. They, I they can still, tell you this right now, from what I've seen on Twitter. Okay, so Steve Cohen only has a. He's only following like 30 guys. Trevor Bauer's one of them, and Trevor Bauer's also following Steve Cohen. And all Trevor Bauer's on Twitter is compliments Steve Cohen nonstop. And then Samuel also goes on WFAN and compliments Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer's not so going to be a man. They're playing footsies under the table. He's it's not really going to be a man. They are. He's... That's fine. Listen, if he's not a man, he's not a man. I hope he is. You know what? I would love to look, see Trevor Bauer play against the Yankees in a World uh, Series. Uh, look. It'd be fun yelling at each uh, other. Uh, Steve Cohen said, I'm not going to spend like a drunken sailor. He's not. That's, not That's going to be a lot of money. And, and, there's no reason, and there's no reason. What do you think he's going to get what do you think he's gonna get bauer yeah probably in, in this market i'd say between 30 and 40 he's gonna get about over 200 million dollars mm, he is this, let's see he is he first of all trevor bauer's 28 years old he, he's still a young yes. guy but he's also never been consistent to this year it doesn't matter that's the scary the guy thing. never is injured ever he also has a four and a half year right? that's that's Every fine year, that's fine he, that's he, not fine he, as your number two starter that's he, not fine he is that's going horrible. to he gets better and better every single year look and i'm just saying no i'm gonna be very he's gonna get 200 million dollars he's gonna get a lot of money He's but we'll see what the Mets are looking. Didn't you win the Cy Young? Yeah, we'll count it in a 60-game season. Honestly, if you want to ask me who was the best pitcher in baseball all season long, it was him. You're going to say Trevor Bauer. It was look, him. Of course, that's the obvious answer. It was him. That's the obvious Of course it is. It's the obvious answer. The other thing that scares me. Even better than Bieber. I don't care. He was was even better than Bieber. I would love Trevor Bauer in the Mets. The one thing that scares me about Bauer, too, is the National League Central was a pretty bad division this year. That's the one thing that scares me when it comes to the hitters in the National League Central compared to the NL East and the NL West where there were more power hitters, better teams in that division. League change. National League Central had who won the division this year? The Cubs won the division. So... Goodbye, Theo Epstein. By the way, I want to get into some Yankee conversation before we go to break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Theo Epstein, I, I know a lot of their stories come out. He stepped down from the Cubs. The Mets have reached out to Theo Epstein's agent, supposedly. And Theo Epstein right now is kind of figuring out if he wants to come back this season or sit out for the season. No, spend some time with yeah, sit out with his kids because he wants to yeah. see the you know his kids grow up and spend some time with his wife, which he's missed a lot of it for the last couple of years running the Cubs. So I do believe that Steve Cohen can give him a number, and if he likes the number, he'll take the GM job. But he doesn't also want to be bossed around by Sandy Alderson. No, either. and that's the thing. And I think what is ultimately going to end up happening is, look, Sandy Alderson's very old in his time. I'm I telling you, bring Sandy's, in Paul. Bring in you know, Paul, baby. Sandy's only going to be here for another year or two because also Theo said he wants a higher job than what he's had. I think what's going to happen is after a year or two, I think Theo's going to take over Sandy's job for the Mets as the COO of the team. I think that's essentially what's going on. I know that's what you wish. <laughs> no, it's not even what I, I – personally, I, I think, think Theo has done some good things, but I also think he's done some things that are – I'll say the word albatross things. Ooh, I like that they word, are just, albatross. They're just some ridiculous I'm albatrossing. <laughs> they are, some of the things he's done are awful. Awful. Some of his albatross. Awful, Terrible. Know? But Horrific. I think he, he wants the COO Deadly. job. That's where I think he's going. Smelly. To he wants a higher job. He doesn't want to be Speedy's president. Speedy's tidy whities. He doesn't want to be GM. He wants to be in charge. What are you saying? <laughs> I'm just saying whatever. You know, <laughs> look, I mean, my, my point is this. I think he's going to want to be the head honcho, the guy in charge. 
I think when Sandy steps down, I think he's going to step in as the guy. All right, enough with the Mets. We spent the whole segment. I knew it. I knew it was going to swing to the Mets with you. Anyways, the New York York Yankees are going to be looking for some pitching. I mean, James Baxton, he's now a free agent coming off an injury. I don't know if the Yankees are going to bring him back. Masahiro Tanaka, he did not look good in the playoffs. I don't know if the Yankees are going to be willing to bring him back. So there are going to be pieces that the Yankees are going to have. Morton, I think, is a perfect fit for the New York Yankees. I think he's going to be a nice piece for them. I I think Morton, he pitches very well against the Yankees. He pitches very well in the American League East. The Yankees will need him in the playoffs, especially Morton was one of the best pitchers in the playoffs. So he pitches very well in the playoffs, and he pitches very well against, guess what, his old team, the Houston Astros. So that's the guy that I think the Yankees will target as their second starter. You do still have Jay Happ, who's absolutely horrific. He is terrible. No, he's a free agent now, Happ. Well, I know. No, he still has one more year left on his contract. The Yankees might buy him out. He signed a three-year deal. The Yankees could buy him out and let him go to free agency. They can do that. I think they should do that. I think they owe him sixteen million. Garcia is going to be a nice kid. I think he's going to be Garcia good. Garcia should be your number two. He, he, no, he'll be a, he'll, he'll be their three or four. I like Montgomery. Jordan Montgomery is a good pitcher. He pitched very well in the playoffs. Yeah, he'd be a, he's a nice number four or five yeah. for them. I'd say more five. I think he'd be a nice. He's an he seems like a guy that's going to be an inning. An inning, inning. absolutely. Um, I, I think DJ LeMay will be back with the Yankees. LeMay will be back. Don't worry, I, Yankee fans. He will be back. I, I think Gary Sanchez will be gone. I think the Yankees will move. I don't. They're going to tender him. I think they're going to tender They'll him. They'll tender and, and trade him. They'll and tender and trade him. him. Who's going to want him? His value is absolutely nothing right now. Well, well you're not going to get a big time, a million different prospects. Well, you can get two. The Yankees can sneak two prospects away from a team, double A prospects, and, and one yeah, of them will become the players. Yeah, but just go somewhere else, and he thrives like he did two years ago. Ah, oh, man, he can't catch. He can't catch. I do believe that if JT Romuto realizes that he... I want nothing to do with No, but here's the thing. If JT Romuto... Maybe you do, but the Yankees could see JT Romuto, hey, you know what? You're not going to get $200 million, but we'll, get, we'll give you 130 and we'll bring you on to our team, and you'll be our catcher. You know? I'll say and, this, though. When a guy's 30 years old and he has hip and knee issues, that scares me as a catcher. He's a good and catcher. Catches, he's a good catcher, but those injuries scare me. He couldn't even stay healthy in a full 60-game season this year. Well, you're, 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 you're a catcher. You're over 30. And you have but, the Yankees, but the Yankees don't need him for 162 games. The Yankees so need him for 100. Just, why don't you just sign Yadier Molina then? Uh, that, that could happen. I mean, that's just a player. Sign to a two-year deal, sign Molina, and then it'll be a lot cheaper than Rio Muto, and he could play defense, could happen. and he could call He'd be a better guy in the clubhouse and for the pitch, the young pitchers the Yankees have. The Yankees will that. be gunning for relief pitchers. I'm telling you right now, the Yankees will sneak up on everybody and they'll pick up the two or three best relief pitchers available well, in I free agency. Well, I think Hendricks agency. is going to the Phillies. I think the Phillies are going to pay him an astronomical number that's going to Well, be good for them, and it's going to help them lose again. So, no, I agree with you. Look what they did with David Robinson. I forgot he was even on the team. I think I think there's a good chance the Yankees bring D.D. Gregorius back. I really do believe I think it. that should be the way they should go. I, I think they should go two ways. They should move towards second, either sign D.D., bring him back, or sign Andrelton Simmons and get more defense up the middle. Simmons is not a good offensive player, and I he's, think the, I think the not, Yankees— he's, he's passable. Yeah, but the Yankees and, and need— in that stadium, it will help. In the Yankees— stadium, Look, D.D. wasn't a good offensive player until he got to the Yankees. Oh, uh, yeah, but D.D. is a completely different player than yeah, Simmons. Yeah, but it was still, though. Look at it this way. Simmons actually had a pretty good offensive year the year Oh, before. give me baloney, bro. I mean, you're talking about D.D. Gregorius is an all-star. I'd rather give you so long. I gave you the bro. You I gave you the bro, like <laughs> Joe Beningo. I gave you the bro. Bro! <laughs> I, you know, I gave you the Joe Beningo, but uh, there's no way in hell you can compare Simmons to Didi Gregorius's numbers. Listen, Ever. if I was Ever. the Yankees, if you want to go the route, Ever. I would bring Didi back. And I've been saying that for a while now. Bring Didi back. I think they will. Force the second. 
That's the route they should go. It's the common sense route I think they should go. Put LeMahieu at second. You could have Andujar at third, and I would maybe trade Voight. I give Voight. He gives you the power on the, at first base. Yeah, you, yeah, That's what you, you need. Stand, yeah, but you got Stanton. You got Judge. How much more Stanton's going to be gone. I told you, you. Stanton's going to be taking the road, hitting the road, Jack. Don't what you come back. No more, no more, no more, no more. I'm, I'm not a singer, okay? I'm just not going to sing. What road is he taking with his contract? Who, the Yankee road. The quiet road. The quiet road. Yes, the quiet road where we can putt and try to play golf with it. You know? You, you think so? I don't know who's taking on that contract. Well, okay, I just told you. Maybe some golf course or something. I don't know. The Dodgers are too busy trying to trade for Nolan Arenado right now as the rich get richer. Yeah, good, good, good luck to them because that's not going to happen. They got the prospects to do it. Well, good for them. Tell Magic Johnson to go sit on it. How's that? Right. Anyways, um... <laughs> uh, Speedy, what do we have when we come back? We got NFL Week 11. Week 11! And guess who we're going to have? We're going to have Eric Coleman back here on the Weekend Crunch. Woo! And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Mr. Eric Coleman. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday at 7 p.m. Only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Scene Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Guys, if you haven't downloaded our app, well, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. You can find our app on there. You can download our app from there. Or you can do this, ladies and gentlemen. You can go to your application store, which is iOS, Apple. Put in WWSRN. Or you can go to Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, well, well. Week number 10 came and it went, ladies and gentlemen. And it did it ever. Went. I, I have to say that. I You go through some of the games. That, there were only really three or four games that really stuck out to me. And, and really, when being that you're a New York fan and we're here in New York, you talk about the Jets and the Giants. There's really nothing that really stands out besides the New York Giants play the last couple of weeks with their defense. They've been sensational. You have to give a lot of credit to Joe Judge. But really, week number 10, there was two games that really stuck out to me. And... One game that you're going to be surprised why it stuck out to me was the Green Bay Packers versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the reason why is, I don't know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers and this Green Bay Packer team, but if they play like they did against Jacksonville, they're not going anywhere in the playoffs. This is a team that has a tremendous amount of talent. Uh, as far as Aaron Rodgers, I still believe he's the number one, the best quarterback in the NFL. I, I still think that, uh, being that they're 7-2. But when you play... Really, a close game against arguably one of the worst or the worst NFL team in the National Football League, that's a huge problem, Speedy. A huge problem. Yeah, they've definitely played down to teams a lot in the past, but that, that's a really bad Jaguars team. They really struggled against. Jacksonville was up much of the first half, and that almost came back. They had a chance to win the game. Yep, and, and here's another game that really stuck out to me, the Buccaneers and the Panthers. Not because of the score, not because they played against a bad team. I, I thought, and everybody keeps talking about the Buccaneers, how talented they are. In the last couple of weeks, no matter how talented the Buccaneers are and how great their offensive looks on paper, Antonio Brown is not going to change this offense in two weeks. It's just not. It's going to take him a while to figure out the offense, just like it took Tom Brady probably four or five weeks before he got the hang of this offense. So 
again, you're playing a. They played very well against the Carolina Panther team. They're very talented. The Carolina Panthers all season long. Bridgewater wasn't 100 percent with the knee right. injury, but uh, all in all, the Buccaneers destroyed a Carolina Panther team that was at home. And the Carolina Panthers usually are a very good home team. So I was very surprised about that, Speedy. That Tom Brady completely destroyed a team that, even though with the injuries that they've had uh, in the last week, week and a half. Uh, they they completely torched them. Yeah, the running game stepped up again, which they really needed. The Panthers have struggled against the run all year, and uh, Ronald Jones took advantage of that at that big play, 98-yard touchdown run, the longest play of the season, and that was really a big difference. And the Bucks still need balance because you're right. These guys are older and not the same. Antonio Brown only had short catches, really wasn't anything big like you saw with the Steelers. And what I say, everybody, what did I say, everybody? Week number 10, the game of the week, the Cardinals versus the Buffalo Bills. I, I'm I'm sorry. That was absolutely the week the the week of the game. I mean, the game of the week. It really was. I, I said week of the game, but game of the week. <laughs> but that, that just shows you when when you think of football, you can't determine what's going to happen at the end of a game. You just can't. And and you watch the Cardinals make a play at the end of the game with arguably DeAndre Hopkins, who I've been saying he has been arguably the best wide receiver in football, and. That was an unbelievable catch over three guys. It was phenomenal. And Kyler Murray just threw it up there. And I'll say it again, and I'll say it over and over again. If you were to choose right now who the MVP of the league is right now, there's only one guy in front of Kyler Murray, and that's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, Yeah, Kyler Murray is really impressed both on the ground and on through the air. He's spreading the ball around. He's not just force-feeding Hopkins as good as Hopkins is. He's getting other guys involved, too. Not necessarily the tight ends, but all the depth receivers and both running backs, two running backs that have been phenomenal, too. And the last game, and I, I know everybody keeps talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers being undefeated 9-0. Pittsburgh cannot stay undefeated this year. If they go into the playoffs mm-hmm. undefeated, they better beware. Because teams we've seen, the last team to be undefeated and win a championship was the only team. That was the Miami Dolphins. Okay, The Patriots, we saw that in 2007. What happened in the Super Bowl? They completely got torched. Well, they didn't get torched, but they lost a game where everybody thought they were heavily favored. So um, I don't think the Pittsburgh Steelers want to go into the playoffs being undefeated. And the Ravens and the Patriots. The Ravens needed that game. And the Ravens, out of all the teams, all the playoff contending teams, they have looked the worst the last three weeks. They have looked terrible. Lamar Jackson, I don't know what's going on. I I think he's listening too much to the press on what they're saying as a quarterback that teams are starting to figure him out because he hasn't played well. He really hasn't. Running the ball inside and out of the lines, he hasn't thrown the ball accurately. Everybody thought that this guy was the MVP uh, last year and was playing sensational last year. He has completely fallen off this year. You would think this this is not his sophomore year. This is his junior year. And he has not looked good in his junior year. Usually, you would expect in their sophomore year than not to look good. He hasn't looked good in his junior year. Right, and they also got other receivers, too. It's not like they were trying to, uh, they were trying to just stay the one identity. They keep trying to improve their receiving core, so it's not really their fault either completely. Lamar has looked off on his deep throws and his outside throws, which were really a big strength for him last year. So very surprising. And you're right, if they take out the run game, it's a really big difference. And then Greg Roman also has to make adjustments, too, because his play calling has kind of been skeptical, too, kind of reliant too much on what they did last year and just hoping it'll work at some point. And now we're going to get into week number 11. That's this week. Uh, last night, uh, well, Thursday night, I always think it's Friday night, but it's Saturday night. Uh, the Cardinals played a sensational game. They came back against the Seahawks, and, and it went back and forth. And even though you look at the first game, you thought it was going to be a highly offensive game. It was over almost 1,000 yards thrown in that game for bo- both Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. 
Uh, it was more of a defensive game, and Seattle played a very good defensive game. As bad as they've looked all year, and aren't they, they gave up 21 points even in a good defensive game, and you wouldn't expect that from a good defense. Usually you cut them down to 14 or 10 points. Well, uh, Cutting them, cutting the Cardinals down to 21 points is a pretty good defensive game, Speedy. Yeah, they took out Hopkins. I think that was the main goal they were doing. They were trying to make Kyler Murray spread the ball around and, again, take out the run game. And the run game was good in the beginning of the game, but they just had trouble after that. And as we mentioned earlier, really that shoulder injury that Murray had in the first quarter, it looked like really rattled him. He couldn't throw the ball downfield as well. And besides that one pass to Max Williams, that was really it. Seattle's defense played better. They made progress, but I think that's still more of a game-planning thing. Props to Pete Carroll for that. I expected Seattle to win. An emotional high for Arizona, probably due for a letdown. Plus, Seattle doesn't usually lose three games in a row. But I didn't expect their defense to play as well as they did. I predict the game of the week this week to be the Ravens and the Titans. Mm-hmm. Two teams that arguably... Uh, were one of the most talented teams going into the the regular season. That early in the season, these were the two teams to be favored, being one and two, the one and two seed. Well, both of them are kind of falling off, yeah. and I. I, I know everybody's going to say, well, you know, the middle of the middle of the season, sometimes these players are trying to get healthy uh, with the COVID-19 situation. Uh, you're you're going to probably argue your points on those speculations. But right now, Lamar Jackson hasn't played well. And I, I like what I see with the Titans. Their running game has kind of – the last two weeks, even though Derrick Henry is dominated, and even if you look at his numbers last week, they weren't bad. Derrick Henry and that offense has not really played – at its strength in the last two weeks. So that's a huge problem going into this game against a Raven team that needs this game. I still like the Titans' defense, even though they have been down this year. Oh, they've been terrible. Yeah, but I like the, still like the style of play against that kind of offense, though. And the, the Titans' weakness is their secondary, but the Ravens, like I said, really don't really have the receiving talents to take advantage of that. So, if, again, if Tennessee can get the outside rush and contain like they did in that playoff game, which they still have the talent to do and the, uh, the defensive scheme, they could still win this game. It's just a matter of, again, can their offense attack the Ravens' defense? Because the Ravens' defense is even better now. Adding Campbell, adding Nagakwe, they're making moves, and it's better than it was last year, talent-wise. There, the, there's a lot of good games this week, but that, I believe, is the game of the week, and it's at 1 o'clock. You have the Titans and the Ravens, then you have, uh, arguably, the Green Bay Packers and the Colts. And, and the, the Packers, even though they're 7-2, and two, they're going into Indianapolis. They, Indianapolis needs to win that game. It's a very important game for Indianapolis. So I expect Phillip Rivers to play hard. I expect him to play hard against this Green Bay Packer team. And Green Bay is going to have to stop the run. If they don't stop the run this week, they're not beating the Colts in Indianapolis. So that's a game that's going to stand out to me. Also, Kansas City and the Raiders. That's another game. The Raiders, who played very well against Kansas City and and really torched Kansas City in the first game of the season. I, I, I would hope that Kansas City wins this game, and I'm going to tell you why. The Raiders do not want to go into the playoffs if they have to play Kansas City again and have to beat them three times. It's very hard to beat a team three times in a season, mm-hmm. especially a divisional team. Yeah, I love the uh, Andy Reid, John Gruden trash talking, too. They were saying about the whole victory lap the Raiders took when they beat the Chiefs at Harrahan. So the Chiefs are definitely going to be smelling flawed. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Monday Night Football, which is actually a game that really stands out. It is a really good game. The Rams going into Tampa to play the Buccaneers. Why are the Buccaneers having all these Monday and Sunday night games? I understand Tom Brady is playing for the Buccaneers. This isn't the same Tom Brady from five, six years ago where he led the league in yards and touchdowns and touchdowns per carry or whatever the heck you want to call it, numbers. This isn't the same Tom Brady. And the Buccaneers, as good as they are when you've seen them this year in certain games, they've looked just as bad in some of the games that you've seen on national TV. Yeah, you know what? This is interesting because I actually think this is going to be more 
more of a low-scoring game. Even though the talent favors the offense on both sides, the Rams' defense has played very well, and they have a good secondary, which can help cancel out, not cancel out, but take out those wide receivers and limit them. And for the, for the Rams' offense, they just lost Andrew Whitworth, which is going to be a big problem, so the Buccaneers' outside rush should have a lot of fun with that as well. I actually think this will be more low-scoring. Tampa, I, I have them winning slightly, but... They have a primetime problem still, so they might they might not be guaranteed for them either. No, and they've had a problem on national TV. They not just primetime on national TV. Right. They've had problems winning big games, and and that's a huge problem because in the playoffs it's all national games. You're you're going to be on TV every single game as you move forward into the playoffs. So that could be a huge problem. They have a lot of young players, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And, and they still have veterans. They have JPP. They still have Adamic and Sue. But they have, uh, they have Devin White. They, these are young players. These are guys that haven't been in these situations. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, over the last three years, have not been a good organization. Yeah, their entire secondary is young, too. And so far, in a bunch of primetime games so far, with the exception of the Bears, they played okay, but they didn't play amazing. They haven't really played well yet. And the Saints especially, that game was just a, a torture for the Saints just torture them completely. And that's going to be interesting this week. I know they're playing the Atlanta Falcons. They are going to be home, the Saints. That particular game stands out to me the most because you're not going to see Drew Brees this week. You're probably not going to see Drew Brees for the next three weeks. Taysom Hill is named the starter. And that, which is a good sign because you do not want Jameis Winston. I, as much as I'm, I don't think Hill is a starting quarterback in this league, he has an opportunity now to prove that this is his job to win at the end of the season when Drew Brees decides to retire, which I believe it will be this year. This is the ultimate gadget game, so the Falcons coaching better be ready for this. this is, Sean Payton's pulling out all the stops, and he's going to really show how good of a coach he is in this game. He needs this game. Right. He, uh-huh. They need this game because they do not want to go into week number 12 tied with the same record as the Buccaneers. Because if the Buccaneers, be- Buccaneers beat the L.A. Rams, guess what? They And, and the, the Saints lose uh, against the Atlanta Falcons. They have the same record. And the, the Saints need to win this division. They need it. They need home field advantage in the NFC. The reason why, not because they don't have the talent. They do have the talent. They want, if they believe that they're the most talented team going into the playoffs and they have the best opportunity to make it to the Super Bowl, they need that home field advantage, Speedy. Absolutely, and there's a big home field advantage. Fans or no fans, New Orleans is a great home field advantage with, with, with that football culture. It's crazy. It really is. And that's why when, when you argue the points and you, you, you go up and down some of these rosters, and some of these games, a lot of these games are, are good games. It, I believe this is one of the most uh, interesting weeks for football because there are so many games that teams are going to be playing for a playoff spot. All, a matter of fact, I would say the majority, seven out of the 12 games, how many games are played this week? I don't know. You have the Rams in Tampa. You have Kansas City in Oakland. You have Green Bay in the Colts. You have, um, you have the Titans in the Ravens. Mm, you still have the Eagles versus the Browns. Both mm-hmm. teams are playoff contenders. These, and that's another game because mm-hmm. a lot of people are picking the Eagles to win that game. Yeah. A lot of people are picking the Eagles. I, I don't know that. how. I don't know how. I could see it. I think it'll be Why? Uh, how could you see that? I, because the, the, the Eagles the haven't Eagles, played well. The Eagles can stop the run, though, and that's been the Browns' really calling card lately since Odell's gone down. So if they can stop the run, Darius Slay shuts down Jarvis Landry. I could see them winning kind of a sloppy game. Mm-hmm. Well, Because you're no Baker's turnover prone. <laughs> I'm going to be very intrigued on this week's football. I, I loved uh, Thursday Night Football. It was a very close game. That's what you want to see. You want to you see a close game. You want to see back and forth, uh, defense to offense. Uh, both... Both Seattle and the Cardinals' defense did not look good on Thursday night football. But I still believe if you, if you multiply and subtract of what you saw 
on on Thursday Night Football, I'd still take the Cardinals in a playoff game. I still, because they have more depth on the right. defensive side of the ball than Seattle. Right. I don't trust Seattle's defense. Right. I don't. I, they don't look good. And Jamal Adams, I don't know what I don't know what I'm watching, but Jamal Adams to come out and say he's one of the best defensive players in the league and he's one he's the best safety in the league, he hasn't looked it. He has not looked it. And I don't want to hear about the defense. Well, we don't have a pass rush. You're using Jamal Adams to go after the quarterback. Jamal needs to tackle the quarterback. I don't want to hear this crap. Well, we don't have any pass rush. Jamal thinks he's he's the dominant force over there on the defensive side of the ball. He can get to the quarterback. Why is he having so many problems doing that? That's all I'm going to say. Jamal Adams, who has been talking crap, and I, and by the way, Jamal Adams needs to keep his mouth out of the press. What he said the other day just completely irked me about who he is as a player. He said that he, over the last couple of years playing for the New York Jets, every single game or the games that they would lose, he'd go home, lock himself in a room, and, and turn off his lights and, and really just... Think of and really be upset about the game. And and his father used to see him that way because his father's like his, uh, I don't know, I, I, he's, he's like a little baby. I, I don't know. I mean, you live with your father. Your father's opening a door. He calls his agent and says, I want to get my son out of this, out of this situation. So it, to me, it, Jamal Adams wanted out from the day one. He's only, he was only with the Jets for two and a half years. He's been wanting out with the New York Jets organization. So for him to come out and say that he wanted to be a Jet for life, and, and then there were stories coming out that uh, he, he feels that he should be the highest paid safety in the league, one of the highest paid defensive players in the league, and, and he knew the Jets weren't going to give it to him. You wanted to be out of here. You've been saying over and over again you wanted to be a Cowboy. Now all of a sudden you go to Seattle and you say you'll play out your contract before you get the big contract. Why couldn't you do that with the Jets? You know why? Because all you did was complain, complain, complain. And eventually, the GM and the ownership just didn't want you there. So, there you go. Uh, Jamal Adams is a joke. A complete joke. I'll say that over and over again. This is not because I'm a Jeff fan. This is not because I'm taking shots at Jamal Adams. But when you come out and you say what you do, and then they come out when you got traded and say that you cried when you when you heard Seattle uh, picked you up in a trade, because crying for happiness, I mean, that just tells you as, as a Jeff fan that the guy didn't want to be here. It's a joke, an absolute joke. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, what are we going to get into, Speedy? Debate Wars. Debate Wars here on the Weekend Crunch. As you guys know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Eric Coleman. Remember, you can listen to the show every Saturday night at 7 p.m., only on 103.9 The LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Speedy, what is this topic? We do this every week. Debate wars. Oh, him in that voice. Debate wars. It's scary over there. Here we go. So we're going to start with your position again, Eric. Safeties. Better safety when healthy. Bob Sanders or Eric Berry? Oh, wait. That man. That is a, a great debate right there. Those are these are two greats. Uh, I love both. I know both. I got drafted with Bob Sanders. He man, he's a missile. Mm. Eric Berry, one of the most athletic. Uh, you know, he he can blitz. He can play the center field. He can play strong safety. He can cover tight ends. Uh, you know, he can really do it all. Um, you know, for that reason, I think I'll go with Eric Berry uh, just because of his versatility and athleticism. But with that being said. Bob Sanders, pound for pound, is, a, is a, the, the biggest hitter I've ever seen in my life. Uh, you know, he's 5'8", 200 pounds, uh, ran 4'3". You know, he could cover well. He, you know, covered a lot of ground. But, you know, punished ball carriers. 
I mean, if, man, that's tough. You can't make me pick that. You know, you know what, Speedy? I'm going to go with Bob Sanders because he's class of 04. He was the defensive player of the year. Um, he represents for us little guys. Yeah. And, man, he, I mean, he lit guys up, man, just watching Bob Sanders. If you go back and watch film, check out his highlight reel. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's one for the ages. I'm going to go with Bob Sanders. I love Bob Sanders. I love him from when he, when he was drafted by Indianapolis, what he did for the league, and really has helped – uh, the guy just couldn't stay healthy. Eric Berry, with the, the cancer that he went through, coming back and still being the dominant player that he was, I, I'm going to take Eric Berry because Eric Berry, as much as Bob Sanders had, he was fighting all the injury, all the injuries that he had. Eric Berry kind of changed the game. He came back from a serious cancer situation and then really was on top of his game. He was one of the still one of the best safeties in the league. Really changed everything for the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, sensational, but both of them sensational plays. But I'm going to go with Eric Berry. Alrighty, on the basketball now. Better big man, Patrick Ewing or David Robinson? Ooh, okay. I'm gonna give this shout out because I remember when I was in think, I think it was third grade. My favorite player was the Admiral. You know, David Robinson. He's an underrated center. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go with him. You know, he's versatile. He's a great defender. He was strong. He can shoot the jumper. Mid range game was great. Um, just, just a fantastic player. You know, when I was a kid, I wrote him a letter. Did he write I, back? I, I drew a picture. I, I designed his own shoes. <laughs> I drew him a picture, wrote him a long letter trying to ask for an autograph card. I never got it, but you, you know what I mean? It, it's all good. But I got love for the Admiral. I'm going to go with David Robinson on this one. I'm going with Patrick Ewing. I grew up a Patrick Ewing fan, even though a lot of people said he was an – I never met Patrick Ewing. Out of all the athletes that I've met over the years and have interviewed some of the New York Knicks, I, I've interviewed John Starks. I've interviewed, uh, interviewed Charles Oakley, Charles Smith, uh, Xavier McDaniel, uh, Anthony Mason. I've interviewed so many Knicks in the time of the 90s. Um, I never interviewed Patrick Ewing, but everybody said he was a nasty guy. But Patrick Ewing really changed the team when he was drafted. I know some people thought the Knicks rigged the draft in the 80s. But nevertheless, I, I, the Admiral was a great player, unbelievable player. But Patrick Ewing changed, it, uh, changed the New York Knicks. And when Bernard King was there and he came, when Patrick Ewing came in and Bernard King got hurt, Patrick Ewing was the player. They built the team around Patrick Ewing. So I'm going to go with Patrick Ewing because of what he did in the transition of the 90s game of basketball for the New York Knicks. So Patrick Ewing. All right, better Chiefs running back in his prime, Priest Holmes or Jamal Charles? I thought you were going to give me the uh, Christian Okoye, <laughs> the Nigerian nightmare. You know what? I'll go with, okay, Priest Holmes or Jamal Charles. I, I mean, I can only speak on what I know. And when Priest Holmes was healthy, he was a problem. You know, he, was, he had the, the agility. He had the breakaway speed. He was powerful. Um, you know, until he got his bell rung pretty hard, you know, he, it really changed the way he played. But, you know, for that short span, I'm, I'm going to go with, with Priest Holmes. I'm going with Jamal Charles. Uh, Jamal Charles was one of the best running backs. Before his injury, before he tore his ACL, I think it was his ACL, Jamal Charles for five years was the best running back in the league, or you can argue he was the best running back in the league. Everything he did, he caught the ball uh, in the backfield. He, he, was, he, he, can, he can run the ball. He, he's a power runner. He can catch the ball. He can, you could put him out as a spread formation and use him as a wide receiver. Uh, Jamal Charles was that. Now, Priest Holmes was a power back. He, he ran over people. He could do all those things too, but he was mostly known for running people over. That's why he had so many concussion problems. But Jamal Charles, he was an all-around unbelievable back. I'm going with Jamal. Alrighty. Greatest player in Golden State Warriors franchise history. Greatest player? Hmm. Oh, so you're asking me to just name him. <laughs> okay. 
All right, so I'm a, so I'm, I'm a slight Warriors fan growing up. My uncle used to work for the Warriors. And, you know, I came up with the Latrell Sprewell, you know, actually before that, the Tim Hardaway, Chris Mullen. Uh, man, there's so many great players that went through there. Sprewell, uh, Baron Davis, Clay Thompson, you got Stephen Curry. Um, with all that being said, going back, I, I'm going to go with my man, Oh man, Mitch Richmond is is a great player. There's so many great players from that organization. I, I, I got to go with Steph Curry. You know, just for the simple fact that he won him the champ. He won him a couple championships. He was uh you know one of the greater players to play in the era, and he revolutionized the game. So I'll go with Steph Curry. I'm gonna go with David Lee. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you scared me right there. <laughs> not to go with Steph Curry, but I'm going to go opposite. I'm going to go with Kevin Durant because the four the four years, the three years that he was there, he changed and he transitioned that team. He won two titles with those that team. He was the MVP of those two titles. I, I, Steph Curry was there when they won a championship, and Steph Curry was a big part of it, but if you look at the numbers and look what Kevin Durant did for the team at the time that he was there, he changed that organization to even a bigger winning organization. So I'm going to go with Kevin Durant. All right. Can you see my, can you see my face right now? <laughs> <laughs> they won championship without Kevin Durant. Uh, I, they won one. I don't so they won without Kevin Durant. <laughs> they did, and, and, and Kevin Durant. I mean, listen, he's a great player. He's fantastic. <laughs> you player. told me but the question as is players, as far as players for the for that organization. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about what they did before they got there, what they did afterwards. Well, he but said it was the greatest, the greatest player to play for so the Golden State Warriors. He has the greatest body of work. No, no, he's the greatest player to ever play for the Golden State Warriors. I didn't say he was the greatest <laughs> body of work. <laughs> I deliberately do that just for Errol to argue for Steph Curry. <laughs> Steph Curry is his uh, his second most hated athlete after Conor McGregor. I'm not a big fr- I'm not a big fan of Steph Curry because of all the crazy nut job things that he's done on and off the court. So, <laughs> all right, better wide receiver: Steve Smith or Marvin Harrison? Oh, I'm going with Steve Smith. Hmm. I, you know, I got to play against them both. Marvin Harrison was, I mean, he was amazing, and you know, he and Peyton Manning had a relationship. You know, that that was of the ages. But Steve Smith was, you know, he really was one of those guys that struck fear in the defense. You know, he was tough. He's physical. He could take a screen, break, you know, break tackles from linebackers. He can take you deep. He can run that dig, that famous dig route that he runs. Um, you know, he's just a competitor. He's tough. You know, he's a dog, man. So I'm going to go with Steve Smith. Uh, for the and, and for the other fact that every time Marvin Harrison catches the ball and, and the safety gets near him, he just lays down on the ground. Um, so that really bothered me as a safety because I always wanted to hit him. And, uh, and he never gave us the opportunity. So I'm going to go with Steve. Smith. I'm going with Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison, what he has done. And I know we play with uh, the great Peyton Manning. Marvin Harris, statistically, offensively, he was all around. And the things that he did on and off the field, and everybody knows the story behind uh, the gun shooting. I'm not even looking at that. I'm just looking at what he did as a player. He was fantastic. Steve Smith was one of the fastest players I've ever seen. And, and when he was breakout speed, you, once he beat you, you, you weren't catching him. Um, Marvin Harrison didn't have the speed like that. Marvin Harrison was more of the, the intangible wide receiver. He can do everything and do anything that you needed him to do. So I'm going to go with Marvin Harrison. All right. A better, who is the better big man, Alonzo Mourning or Kevin McHale? Oh, you know, I would say <clears throat> career-wise, I'm going to go with Kevin McHale because he was an enforcer on defense. 
you know, his offensive game grew as his career went through, uh, played on a legendary team, uh, what, you know, was just a, you know, just a nasty player. Um, Alonzo Mourning what was great, physically gifted. You know, I, I think that his body of work, I don't think can, compares to Kevin McHale. So I'm going to go with uh, Kevin McHale. I'm going with Kevin McHale, too. What he did with the Celtics, and uh, he did play with the great Larry Bird and, and, and the players that they had. They had a dominant team with the, that era of, of Celtic basket, basketball. Um, I, you know, you, you can argue both players, but there was just something about Kevin McHale. He, he changed the big man position. Uh, he can shoot the ball at, 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 as big as he was, six foot nine, six foot ten. He could shoot the three point shot. I mean, he re- that team rev- really revolutionized the shooting game and what the NBA really transitioned into this time of basketball. So I'm going to go with Kevin McHale. All right, last one. Better, better corner before they left for their second team. So D'Angelo Hall with when he was with the Falcons or Namdi Asamoah when he was with the Raiders. <laughs> oh my. God. Oh, hands down, Namdi. Namdi was, oh, my goodness. We used to watch film on Namdi uh, during our lunch breaks because he would just lock guys down. I mean, he was big. I want to say he was 6'2", 6'3". Uh, you know, you put him in press coverage and that, that man free that the Raiders were famous for playing. Everybody knew what coverage they were playing, and they still couldn't beat Namdi. So, uh, you know, D'Angelo, as gifted as he was, you know, I was drafted with D'Angelo. He's fast. You know, he's a great Overrated. Um, you know, he did, you know, had all the athletic ability, but he, he would get burned up sometimes. Mm-hmm. You never saw Nandi getting burned up with the Raiders. You know, he's just a phenomenal player. I, I'm, I'm going to go with him. I'm going to go with uh, Asamoah, too. I, I, I wasn't a big Hall fan. I think D'Angelo Hall was very overrated when he was drafted in the first round. Um, I, I know he was a good player. He played for Washington all those years, but uh, there was just something about that, about him as a player, as a safety, that really. Uh, rubbed me the wrong way as a fo- uh, watching football as a safety, but uh, as a corner, I'm sorry. Uh, the, what I saw with Nam Diasawa, he was a he was a shutdown corner. People were comparing him or Revis to be the best corner in the league when Asamoah was playing for the Raiders. When he went to when he there was talks that he was going to the Jets instead of the 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 Eagles. A lot of people thought, "Wow, could you imagine Asamoah on one side and Revis on the other?" And you were actually going to have the opportunity to play with him too. Uh, there were talks of, of trading him to the New York Jets. Uh, it fell through, and Tannenbaum uh, lost that opportunity to make that trade, and he went to the Eagles, and, and, and Asamoah was terrible for the Eagles. But uh, Namdi Asamoah, it was either him or Revis. You can argue him, Revis, or it, maybe Charles Woodson. I mean, that, those were the three best corners in the league or safeties or secondary players. So I'm going to go with Asamoah. So, uh, you know, I won this debate. You know, it usually, usually happens, you know. You, yeah, you said that Ke- Kevin Durant is the greatest <laughs> Golden State Warrior. The greatest player to play for the Golden State Warriors. Remember that. Player to play for the Golden State He said, who is the greatest player to play for the Golden State Warriors? He did, he did play for the Golden State Warriors. Did he not? Wait, did Kareem Abdul-Jabbar play for the Warriors? No. No. Somebody, Kareem. Somebody Will Chamberlain did. Will Chamberlain did. But I think they were yeah. with Philadelphia at that but, time. Hold on yeah, one so second. Will, so Will Chamberlain was better. That was at the end of his career. Right. <laughs> and I think that was mostly Philadelphia, too. You didn't say that. You said the greatest player. <laughs> well, well, well. Eric's trying to find a way to argue his way out of this one, too. <laughs> oh, when we come back, Speedy, what do we have? Crunch time. Here on the Weekend Crunch. Oh, I like this. Ho, ho, David Guetta. Uh, 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 uh. Speedy's hotty whities. Ha, ha, ha. As you guys know, this is the Weekend Crunch. 
Only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Yes, guys, I, I know Eric is going, he's bouncing back and forth, but he's now downstairs doing his pull-ups and getting ready for the next segment because he's, he's going to lose. He always loses. He thinks he wins, but he loses. So we, we, brought, we brought back uh, Josh Silverberg uh, because uh, I think it would be even better to argue buy and sell with him than arguing it with uh, Mr. I-Know-It-All and Mr. I'm-Always-Right, okay? Because for once, I can win, okay? Or think that I've won, all right? So, you know, I, I, I can't stand it when he tells me. Why don't you let Speedy be the judge of who wins? He'll, he'll tell you I always win. He'll tell you that because he's he doesn't want to hurt you. No, 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 he doesn't, he doesn't want to hurt Eric Coleman's confidence, his personality, his drive on beating me with these arguments. So I've admitted at times I've agreed with Eric. <laughs> well, a couple segments. What about of... me? You could say you've agreed with me a few times. Well, you're a little lost, so I have a better chance. You know, you know. He's, 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 he's always kissing you. Guys, I'm waiting for the data. Don't, don't, don't worry. Going to another whole high road. Uh, you know? when, you, when you have five shows, I'll analyze the data on that. <laughs> okay. I, I need a larger sample. This is what Speedy does when Eric's on. That's what he what does. Am I a chipmunk? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Do you think that sounds like a chipmunk? Oh my god! What kind of chipmunks you know? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we need to show Speedy Animal Planet again. Oh, <laughs> he needs his own planet. Speedy has his own bunch of animals that he he doesn't want to hurt. He doesn't want to hurt the pro, poor creatures. Or oh my god, even we're talk not doing about this it. again. No, we're not. Not on one hundred three point nine. But uh, maybe off air. If you guys want to listen, you can actually check it out on Snapchat. But that's a whole other story. Anyways, uh, we do this segment every single week. What do we call this segment? Crunch time here on the weekend crunch. Yeah, I love this. It's time for Crunch Time. All right, we'll start this one in baseball. So I just saw this. This was very weird news. There were a lot of fans on uh, social media for Steve Cohen to pay all of Bobby Bonilla's contract. And he responded with this weird thing. So buy or sell, we will actually see a Bobby Bonilla day at City Field. So for me, it's a buy, but I think what he's going to do is, I actually think, because another fan, if you saw the tweet after Speed, he says, can you just pay it off in full and just end the misery already? And he actually said, and I I'd quote, if that's what you want, I could do it July 2nd. <laughs> so I'm going to buy, I actually think he's going to either, he's going to do it one of the two ways. He's going to pay it off in full and be done with it. Or he's going to legitimately bring Bobby Bonilla to City Field once a year, give him a ride around the stadium in the, in the bullpen cart. And that's it. It'll give us money in that. <laughs> I'm definitely going to buy it because if you look at what uh, Steve Cohen is all about, he's all about publicity. This would be an awesome publicity stunt, press coverage. It'd be funny. Him in a golf course on a field. Bobby Bonilla. Bobby Bonilla wasn't a good Met. He was a horrific Met. And he got a lot of money. He's still getting paid by the Mets. It's a joke. It's, it's really to just... Stick it to the Wilpons. This is another way to just stick it and drive it to the Wilpons now that he owns the team. So I'm going to buy that. On to college football. Both Oklahoma State and Oklahoma will score 40-plus points in their rivalry game this week. Uh, That's a buy because it's the Big 12. That's the no-defense conference. Everything's an air raid offense, right? Mm. Remember uh, NFL Blitz, the bomb play? (laughs) And there would just be a guy down the field, and that's it. So I'm going to go buy on that one. Uh, I'm going to buy that, really, because I think Oklahoma State is going to beat Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma 
has been a, a bust all season long. They have not looked good. Their quarterback, who I can't stand, I, I don't you think can't he. Stand a lot of people. No, I can't stand him. I, I, the cocky kid, man. He's just a cocky kid. I I watched his Netflix, uh, the documentary, the quarterback one or whatever the heck it was, QB one. I'm just not a big fan of his. I like Justin Fields. I think he's very humble. I don't think this kid. What, what's his kid's name? Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler. I, I don't like him. He rattles you. <laughs> he rattles everyone. <laughs> He rattles everybody. But I'm going to buy that. Oklahoma State wins the game. By the way, Josh, kudos to the NFL Blitz reference. Thank Great you, thank game. You. Great Remember game. Remember that's the bomb play. Love it. That's <laughs> always the play. Everybody. All right. Buy or sell. Derrick Henry will rush for 100-plus yards and two touchdowns against the Ravens. I'm going to sell that one. And the reason being is because I think the Ravens' defensive line is slowly getting a little bit better. Obviously, getting Yannick Ngakwe as a pass rusher helps. I know they're missing Calais Campbell. But they still have a pretty good defense that's showing against new england though this past week was awful i'm concerned about baltimore but i think they will hold henry to under 100 yards so So, hold on one second so you took shots last week by kyler murray saying that he's not been the same quarterback as his first year he wasn't that good on get out of here what drugs are you on he wasn't that good on get out of here you're lost you're a loss he wasn't that good on thursday kyler murray shoulder he had a shoulder injury and kyler murray he's an mvp candidate how could you say kyler murray is not having a good season i didn't say he was having a bad season i just said i want to see a little more from him that's it his jet game that i saw was one of his worst games he had all year against the jets for heaven's sake oh give me a break Anyway, so, so did Cam he Newton. He did Jamal Adams out, so that's brownie points for me. Well, that's true, he too. Pulled, he basically pulled Jamal's pants down. Yeah, well, Jamal Adams stinks. That's just my opinion. Anyways, um, I do not think – I'm going to sell that. I do not think uh, Derrick Henry is going to have over 100 yards. I think he could have two touchdowns. Absolutely. I don't think Tennessee is going to win this game. Baltimore needs this game more than Tennessee. So I'm going to sell that, but I think Baltimore will win this game. All right. The NBA Rookie of the Year will be a player that is not drafted in the top five. Look at that. Your app is talking to me, Errol. Ooh, I like um, it. Our app. I'm going to buy that because that's usually how it works, doesn't it? We all assume that a top five player is going to be a rookie of the year, and it's always like the player that goes 10th or 11th or 15th or everything. I think Obi Toppin's going to win rookie of the year. I really believe that. I think well, you're a Knicks fan. <laughs> no, that's not even it. I think because they're going to give him the most minutes. Yeah. And, again, he, everybody says he's the most finished product in this NBA draft. He's the most ready. Therefore, they think he's going to get the minutes. That will get him to uh, be rookie of the year. And even the Israeli kid, too, at nine. Mm. Why not? It's going to take you know? him a while to develop. But I think in the long run, the Israeli Denai will be, uh, Denis will be uh, one of the best in this draft. I'm going to sell this. There will be a rookie of the year in the top five. I do. And I, I, I think the fact that Wiseman and they lose Clay Thompson, they're going to they're gonna expect Wiseman to take over in some of the offensive game. Uh, he, he's going to have a lot of touches. He's going to have to be a big-time rebounder. If they have any chance this year to compete with the Lakers, the Clippers, or some of the, the Nuggets, the teams in the West, and, and even the Utah Jazz, he's going to have to play well. I think he's going to play very well. I think it's it's Wiseman. I think he's going to be the rookie of the year, so I am going to sell that. All right, back Just to really, – Really quick, sorry, Speed. Do you think Golden State's going to be dominant again with Wiseman here? I wouldn't say dominant. I, I think they'll be great. I think okay. they'll be great. I, I think they'll be one of the – the top five Even teams, Draymond top four in the, teams. In the front court, I think. Yeah. Pretty, I, I, I think, think Draymond Green is overrated. He's going to take a lot of pressure off of Draymond because he can he rebound and he's athletic. And him. he's athletic. He's very athletic. Yeah. So I, I like him. All right. You were hinting at this earlier. Buy or sell. Either Justin Turner or Didi Gregorius will return to their respective New York teams. I'm going to sell both of them. And the reason being is because I think the Phillies are going to ultimately keep Didi. 
They loved him at shortstop this year. I think they're going to resign him. Turner's an interesting one. If the Dodgers get Arenado, look, I think he's out unless they keep the DH. Well, then maybe I he can Turner hang out with stays. the Mets when he has COVID. No, 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 don't. I, listen, I want to turn him maybe four years ago, not at 36 or whatever he is now. I'm fine with that. So, uh, yeah. but I'm going to go. So I think if there's a DH in the National League, I think Turner's going to stay on as a DH for the Dodgers. And I think Didi's going to stay with the Phillies. I'm going to buy Didi to the Yankees. I, I still think it's it's very possible because Cashman loves Didi and he was a big leader for the Yankees. And the Yankees lost leadership and they're losing leadership this year because Brett Gardner's going to retire. He's going to go elsewhere. They're not bringing him back. So they're going to need leadership. I think bringing DD back, it will help them in that category. I'm going to buy that. I'm going to sell Turner. I, I don't think the Mets are bringing back Turner. I think they're looking for Nolan Arenado. If they make that move for Nolan Arenado, they better hope that's a good move. Because Nolan Arenado, as good as he is, he's played in Colorado his whole career. It's completely different. His home and his away numbers are completely different. But they so, thought that with LeMahieu too, right? This is, they, they, he's a different player. I understand. DJ LeMahieu is a different player. All right. Buy or sell. Number nine, Indiana will cover the spread against number three, Ohio State, at Ohio State. Right now it's minus 21. I think it's going to be a closer game than people think, although I don't want to upset Ryan Key at all because I think Penn State kind of got screwed. But uh, <laughs> um, Penn State stinks. Uh, <laughs> they're so overrated. They it's stink. Horrible. They haven't won a game. Okay. I know. I think Franklin could be fired after this. They really stink. So. They're terrible. Oh they stink. Yes. They st- <laughs> oh, Mar- <laughs> Mike Francesa, we're we're making fun they of everybody. They stink. <laughs> they stink. Clam up. All right. Will they cover the spread? Yes, I do. I saw. I'll buy it. I think they'll cover it. I think Indiana will cover it. Ohio State will win. <laughs> Justin Fields, baby. Justin Fields could be the next New York Jet uh, quarterback. Hey. Just the Jets just don't win a game, please. All right, buy or sell. With Clay Thompson now out for the season, the Warriors will not be a top five seed in the Western Conference. I'm going to buy that one. I think that's such a tough loss for them. I mean, I don't. yes, Thompson doesn't just shoot well. Perimeter defense is so key for them. And that's what made Clay one of the top all-around best players in basketball in my eyes. Is He's a great shooter, but he's an even better defender. It took the pressure off of Curry because whoever got the ball was going to jack up a three. So I think this is really going to hurt them, and you want to wait for Weissman's development. So I think it's, it is going to hurt them. So I don't. You have Andrew Wiggins again for another year, a full year. Yeah, but Wiggins is just uh, – he, He's going to give you 19, 20 points. I know, Clay Thompson, you're losing 23, 24 points. But then you're bringing in this – if Wiseman gives you 17, 18 points, that's just as good as 24, but 25. But you're missing the defense, but, though, on the perimeter, though, Aaron. Yeah, but you're getting defense thing. in the middle. That's something they haven't yeah, had. Yeah, but, but think about this. They could have had defense in the middle and on the perimeter. They're bringing in guys. They just brought the kid from OKC. The thing about it was that Curry and Clay can play defense. That's really what it is. And the fact that they're missing Clay now is – that's almost as big of a loss, in my opinion, than losing Curry. Mm. Because the thing about Clay is he's a two-way player. Whereas Curry's just more of an offensive juggernaut. Clay is a juggernaut on offense and defense. So. Steven Adams was traded last night. He went to the Pelicans. I like Steven Adams. I'm surprised the Knicks didn't look at Steven Adams as There's a no big room. man. There's no room. Where are they going to put it? But they ju- I just told you, they're going to trade Julius Randle. Yeah, but then why is Toppin going to be on the bench? Well, Toppin wouldn't be on the bench. You bring Adams in, you can flop him around as a power forward slash center. You always have one of these Toppin's big guys. Not a three. I didn't say that. You bring Adams in, you can start Adams in one game and bring Mitchell Robinson off the bench, mm. or you could bring 
Topping in, and that's what you do. You give you no. give your team depth. You need depth. Just, just give, just let Mitch be the starter. That's how I look at it. You could get depth, but just let Mitch be the starting center. They traded Kelly Oubre. Yeah, Kelly so, Oubre. Yes, and he's an 18-point guy, 17-point guy, good defender, good wing defender, and you're putting him over there to Golden State. By the way, OKC, in the next seven years, they have 16 first-round draft picks. That's crazy. That is crazy. They can rebuild their team like that. It's Elamoring right now what you see what they're doing. It's absolutely unbelievable. That's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to thank Josh Silverberg for joining us. Thank you, Josh. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Eric Coleman, my partner in crime, running over here. He's all over the place with the Jets. He just flew over here for the show, and now he's getting ready for tomorrow's pregame and postgame show for the New York Jets, so he had to run to the facilities. I really appreciate him joining us and putting the work and the time into the show. So Eric, who's one of the hardest workers in professional sports, he really is as an analyst, as a broadcaster, as a TV guru, or whatever the heck he calls himself anyways. But I really appreciated him joining us, too, today. It was a great, great show. We'll be back next week, so definitely stay tuned. Only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. By the way, guys, if you don't know who I am, I, I can say it loudly and proudly. All of us say, the great one. Come on, say it one time. The great one. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not the great one. No, Speedy's no, you, a, no. no, I'm not the great one. <laughs> Only God's the great one. But <laughs> Speedy over here, you know, with his tidy whities and his performances every single day on our network and, and throughout all the work that he puts into us. I really appreciate all the hard work that he does for the network on 4103.9. We'll be back next week. Until then, this is Errol Marks, Joshua Silverberg, Speedy Petey, and yes, Mr. Eric Coleman saying goodnight. We'll talk to you then. Good night, everybody.